0: Welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Some of the best Sunday school stories come from the book of Daniel, and if you are You've been in Sunday school, you know what I'm talking about. Daniel chapter one is where they say, hey, we're gonna stand out. We're gonna be different do the test. And Daniel chapter three, they say, we're gonna stand up for what we believe in and we're not gonna bow to the idol. And Daniel chapter six, we have the story where he says, I'm gonna stand strong. Daniel says, I'm gonna do that. And he faces the lions and the lion's dead. I mean, and there's other great stories in there. We have the handwriting of God on the wall. We have, um, uh, there's dreams, there's visions. I mean, the king acts like a cow for seven years. I mean, that's all in Daniel. There's so many good stories, but there's three big ones. Daniel chapter one, Daniel chapter three, Daniel chapter six. And I have been asking myself lately, um, what chapter are we living in? And that's the title of my message today. What chapter are we living in? Now, for those of you that are not familiar with this, I'll give you a little history. In 587 BC, Jerusalem is attacked. Jerusalem is where God is being worshipped. The Jewish people are there. The Hebrew children are there. And they get attacked by the Babylonians. And the Babylon empire comes and attacks them. They actually take over. And they take people as slaves from Israel, the Jewish people. They take them as slaves, bring them back to Babylon. And that's where we see these people, um, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We see that. And by the way, those are not their given names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but we'll get to that in a minute. They, they take these people and they make them slaves, and they're actually having to live as exiles or slaves in Babylon. You would think that they try to escape, they try to get away, they would revolt or do whatever, but... Jeremiah actually tells them, the prophet says, you know, while you're there, I want you to build homes. I want you to pray that they prosper. I want you to pray that this city prospers and that you prosper there. I have you there for a reason, which just blows my mind that they're there for all those years. And he's not saying revolt, escape, get away. Some people still revolted. Some people still compromised. And they said, you know, I I don't need to be Jewish anymore. I don't have to have my faith in God anymore. I'll just serve your gods. And so some gave away But we see these four Hebrew children where these great stories come from. They said, we're going to stay strong. We're going to stand up. We're going to stand out. We're going to stand strong and we're going to do this and we're going to, we're going to live differently while we're in exile. And believe it or not, we are exiles. That's what we are. We are living in a land that's not our own. That's what first Peter chapter one says. It says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct, since it is written, You should be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on Him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. We, we're in exile right now. We are in a culture that isn't a Christian culture. We're living here as followers of Jesus Christ. And I'm saying there's a time for us to stand up, to stand out, to stand strong. And I'm wondering, what chapter are we living in? I mean, so there's lessons that are here. There's things that were there. And America used to be a culture that had a shared belief. We all understood Christianity. It was just assumed that we had Judeo-Christian beliefs. And now with this radical individualism, we have people saying, well, I have my truth and you have your truth. And we're living in a culture that looks a lot more like Babylon. And you'd say like, well, no, it's not really Babylon. Well, let me just again give you just some context before we go into what chapter we're living in. Babylon in the Bible is, is seen or equated to a symbol that describes any human institution that demands allegiance to its idolatrous uh, redefinitions of good and evil. So it's saying we're, we're gonna have idolatry and we're gonna redefine good and evil and you have to conform to this and if you don't conform to it, you don't fit in. And it's interesting, we're calling good evil and evil good in the culture that we're living in today and people are being celebrated for the evil they do and people are being shamed for the good morals that they have. I think about when Vice President Pence was like, I don't meet with another woman, private, you know? I, I'm, you know it's part of my marriage. And they're like, oh, mocking him. We're shaming people that are doing good, and we're celebrating things. That, and so there really is like a, a Babylon spirit that's going on. So what chapter are we in? Daniel chapter one. I'll fly through this. I believe this could almost be a, a multiple-part series. Daniel chapter one, again, remember, the, these children are taken, they're captive, they're made slaves, and a couple things happen. First of all, they're renamed. Verse six, it says, among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So we know them by their other names, but those, that was, those were their real names, and I'll get to that in a minute. They were renamed. And they were also given the wrong food. In verse eight, it says, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. And so he asks for a test. And I won't read the scripture, but it's right there in Daniel chapter one. He said, test us. Give us a time period where we eat the food that we're supposed to eat, not the food you, we don't, we, we don't wanna fit in, you know? We wanna stand out. We wanna stand out. And the guard's like, all right, I'll give it a try. And so the guard does it, and it turns out that the test wins. They're actually healthier. They're actually smarter. They're actually doing better. And And it's interesting that they're saying, We want to contrast. We want to show you God's ways are better than the world's ways. And I think in America and in our world that we were living in for a long time, we could just contrast. We could just say, I think God's way is better than the world's way. And there is an openness and a receptivity to that test, if you will. I think that chapter is closing. Now, I know in some places it's still there, and I believe that we should say like, How's it working for you? The things of God are working for me better than it's working for you. There's still that ability to contrast and say, test me, see if this is better, see if your way is better. But the world says, don't stand out, don't do that, just blend in with us. And we're called to be holy. Let me give you the definition of that. The definition of holy means to be set apart. We're called To be set apart—that's what I read from Peter. That when I was reading about exiles, it also means to be elevated above the ordinary. It means special. That's who God has called you to be—special, elevated, set apart. He's called us to be holy, and the world says, "Don't you dare stand out! Don't you do that? You got to think the same, act the same, talk the same." And and Babylon changed their names even. And, and it, you may not realize this, but it's an incredible when you look at their names. Daniel means God is my judge. And they changed his name to Belteshazzar, which means lady, protect the king. I mean, they actually, his name actually changed his gender and brought confusion. The focus was on God, and now it's on man. It was on an all-powerful God, and now it was a king who needs protecting. Hananiah means God has been gracious, meaning the word Yahweh, but God has been gracious, and they changed it to Shadrach, I am fearful of God. Think about that, God is good to I'm afraid. They changed his name, blend in with us. Meshach means who can compare to my God? No one, but Meshach means I'm despised, contemptible, and humiliated. Think about these changes Don't stand out with your name. Don't you dare. I mean, have you ever met somebody where they're like, what's your name? Christian. Oh, Christian. What's your name? Hope. What's your name? Grace. This is what was happening. Like, Don't you be that. We're changing your name. Don't you dare stand out. And, And the world, Azariah was meaning God has helped me. And Abednego means the servant of Nebo. It's like, God is helping me. I'm serving this person. Man, the world says, don't you dare stand out. I'm telling you right now, you stand out. And for those of you that have a name that is awesome, like, Christian or grace or mercy, I don't care. I'm mean, gonna guy wants the name happy in, in, in Kenya. If you have a name that has a, a story, is a faith with it, don't be ashamed of it. Embrace it, but stand out more ways than just your name. But the world says, Don't you dare stand out, and God says, stand out. In chapter three, let's move forward. They they have to stand up. There's an idol that's built. You know, the king says, I want to build an idol, it's gonna be 90 feet tall, it's gonna be covered in gold. And when you hear the music, you got to bow down and worship my idol. And if you don't, you're going to face the fiery furnace. And they're like, no, we're going to stand up. We're going to stand up for what we believe in. I mean, there's still idols today. Idols are anything that replace God and that we trust in. You say, well, I wouldn't worship that idol. But in today's day and age, the chapter we're living in, people are worshiping the idol of money, sex, and power, One preacher said, every hour has its own idol. I mean, there's something that's going on. And and so they're saying, you gotta bow down. You gotta worship this. You gotta live the same way we live. And we don't live the same way the world does. That, I think many of us are living in chapter three. And can I say this? You can't go unnoticed when you're living in chapter three. With the test, you could kind of go unnoticed. You could keep it out of the king's eyes. But when it comes to standing up for your faith now today, you can't live hiding anymore. You can't get off the grid. You can't do it. You've got to live. And, and so we, not, we may not face a fiery furnace, but we'll get raked over the coals. We'll, we'll get persecuted. We, it's crazy. We don't have a Nebuchadnezzar anymore, but we have like mini Nebuchadnezzars, you know, like, look at him. He's a little mini me. Come on. And we're, oh, you know, have these people bow up. I mean, that's, we got little mini Nebuchadnezzars and we're bowing down. We gotta stop that. We gotta say, I wanna stand up for what I believe in. And there's something when Nebuchadnezzar was asking them to bow down and tell them, that wasn't asking him, he's demanding that they bow down. In verse 14, it says, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I've set up? That phrase, is it true? Is it true is the attack of chapter three. Is it true? You're... You're gonna stand up, you are not gonna do. Is it true? Is it true? Like people will say, is it true that you really believe that? Is it true that you live that way? Is it true that you actually don't do what we do? Is it true? And I'm gonna tell you right now, if you wanna have victory with your convictions and you wanna stand up, you better start strong. You better well, you know, I you know, I'm, I'm evaluating my convictions, eh, game over. You gotta stand strong, you gotta say, it's true. Now you don't have to be a jerk, but you gotta be strong. It's true. I believe this. This is where I'm standing. This is my conviction. You know, I share so many stories about my mom. And my dad, my dad was like the balance to my mom, and they amazing, amazing combo. But my mom was like, boom. I remember when I was going to school and I had just given my life to Jesus and And she's like, when you go to school today, don't you dare deny Jesus. Don't you, you stand strong. If you are ashamed of him, he will be ashamed of you. Like Mark eight talks about that. It says, if anyone is ashamed of me on my words on this adulterous and sinful generation, the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his father's glory with the holy angel. I mean, my mom's like, do you see that? You better not be ashamed. If If they want you to deny Jesus, don't you dare. Even if they want to cut your tongue out. And I'm going to school like, you know, you know. I mean, but I'll tell you what, I had to resolve then. Little kid. Do I believe this or not? Do, am I going to stand up? Am I going to, or am I going to bow down? And if you remember, I've shared this story before. She bought me this big old button. I'm a Jesus person. And I wore the button to school. And she's like, it was just lame. And I was like, ah. She goes, don't you be ashamed of him. And I was like, well, don't buy stupid buttons. You know, but maybe we ought to make buttons again for our church. Come on. It's time to stand up for what you believe in. The New Testament says we should always be ready to give the reason for the hope that's in us. Do you back down or do you stand up? We need to stand up. Don't let the world change you. You gotta stand strong. I mean, these three Hebrew children were like, we are not bowing. It, It is true. We actually serve God, not you. We serve God and we're in this kingdom and we're not revolting, but we're standing up for what we believe in. If you know the the story, the three Hebrew children were dancing in the fire because they were thrown in the fire, and God saved them. And they're dancing there. And the Bible says there was a fourth person in the fire with them that looked like the Son of God. It was Jesus dancing in the fire. They weren't dancing to the music of the king. They were dancing to the music of the King of Kings in the fire because they stood up. It's true this is what we believe in. It's true, and I think we should say what we believe in. I found this from Tim Keller. I love this. He said, this is what we're part of, and this is what we believe. Christianity is the first multi-ethnic religion, most first multi-ethnic faith. I love that. He said, we also are a, a, a religion that cares for the poor. He said, we also are a religion that doesn't retaliate and we're peaceful. He said, we are also pro-life. That's what Christianity is, and he said we also live sexual countercultural. I love that five things. I mean, he said the first two sounds like Democrats, the last two sound like Republicans, and the middle one just belongs to everybody, man. But he said that's that's the way. Yeah, that's the way I live. That's what I believe. I'm gonna stand up for what I believe in. I'm calling it stand up, stand up. Those of you that are school, stand up, stand up, stand out, stand up. This there's there's something. I just feel it. Don't be ashamed. Let's not do that. Let's not be ashamed. Let's live the faith that we say we have and let's stand up when the pressure's on. Let's not bow to the many Nebuchadnezzars and let's stand, stand strong. I love what the three Hebrew children said. They said, hey, we're, God may be able to save us from the fire, but if not, we're still not going to do what you ask us. We're still not going to bow down. We're not going to compromise. We're not going to, like, we don't control the outcome. God does. But guess what? We are not going to compromise. We are going to stay true to our convictions. That's Daniel chapter three. And I think many of us are living there. But Daniel chapter six gets trickier. And I believe we might be on the verge of living right here. It's a progression. It's like a test and then a stand up. Now you got to stand strong. You got to stand strong. And here's why it's trickier. In Daniel chapter six, we get a look at cancel culture and we get a, a, a look at civil law conflict. So there's a bunch of other rulers that are there and wise men and whatnot and servants in the kingdom. And they're seeing how Daniel has favor on him. And so what they do is they devise a plan using the law to stop his faith. And they're like, surely, surely he he won't stand up. I, you know, he, I mean, he won't stand strong. I mean, because the third one is stand strong. He won't do that. He won't stand strong. I mean, we'll make a law that he'll have to obey so he, he he will get in trouble. And it's interesting. I, I, I find it just, just crazy how many politicians want to mess with, like, faith and want to make laws that hurt faith and want to, like, and I feel like that's where we're living in. I mean, like, right now, New York City at one point said, churches can't rent schools, can't do it. And then they went to court and they said, no, it's a public place, they can rent, anybody can rent it. And so they were able to go back into school. Um, uh, You know, there was other groups that said there can be no money for Christian programs. If you're a Christian school, you can't get the money. Recently, the Supreme Court overruled that. Uh, We had, under um, Obamacare, you had to provide abortion services and all those things. And uh, Hobby Lobby said, no, we're not going to do it. And then Little Sisters of the Poor, honestly, true group, Little Sisters of the Poor were, the government was suing Little Sisters of the Poor, Catholic group, forcing them to offer abortion against against their conviction. And thankfully, again, the Supreme Court said, no, overruled. But what happens if the Supreme Court changes? I mean, that's why I think we're like Daniel chapter six. I mean, it's like we're living in cancel culture. Like, These group of people were trying to cancel Daniel because of what he believed, trying to say, no, you're out. And then they make a law to trap him, to try to get him to fall. And so Daniel is in the high, which by the way, if you're in a high place serving a high profile place, if we're living in Daniel chapter six, you can't hide, it's coming, it's coming. Something's gonna happen where you're gonna have to, you know, stand strong. It's just gonna, you're there and you may lose it all, I can't guarantee that, but you're gonna have to you can't you can't hide. As much as you couldn't get off the grid, you really can't when we're living in a Daniel chapter six because you're high profile, but there's other people that don't like you. So listen, in Daniel chapter six, verse 10, it says, When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem three times a day. He got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. I mean, he stood strong. He stood strong. And here's the thing that's amazing to me. This just jumped out when I was studying for this. It was a 30-day decree, 30 days. I know the way people's brains work with standing up for Jesus. They just said, well, 30 days, you know, 30 days, it's only 30 days of compromise. I mean, mean, that could be a good book, like 30 days of backsliding and 30 days. And doesn't the average teenager do 30 days of backsliding? And isn't that, you know, and I mean, he could have rationalized. For 30 days, I'll close the windows. I will st- I have a place of influence. You know, I'm pretty high profile. And I get to speak to the king. And if I stand up, I could lose everything. Man, he didn't sell out. He stood strong. I mean, he said, I'm not doing it. It's a 30-day compromise. I'm not doing 30 days. I mean, Judas sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And I'm afraid we would just, crumble for 300 likes on Instagram. Stand strong. Do you believe this or not? If we are living in this chapter right now, don't post that, don't say that, don't drink that, don't do that. Stand strong. You may lose your job, you may lose your friends, you may lose your house, you may lose whatever, but you don't lose your character, you don't lose your conviction, you don't lose your faith, you don't lose what really matters to you That's Daniel chapter six. I I think some of us need to spend more time on our knee bone to get a little backbone so we can exercise our jaw bone and say, it's true, it's true. I believe this and I'm not gonna change what I do. I'm gonna stand strong. I'm gonna bow, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna go to church. I'm gonna do what I do because I have deeply held convictions. And I know we're living in a Daniel six world, Daniel three world, Daniel one world, but guess what? I'm not compromising. Because a 30-day compromise would have led to an, an ineffective witness. It would have destroyed his character. It would have destroyed his witness. And and we know in the story, he he doesn't do it. He he gets arrested. The king throws him in the fiery, not the fiery, throws him in with the lions. Got the confused, three and six. He throws him in with the lions. And you know, if there's if there's like, Hologram checkout in heaven. I want to see that story. I want to check that one out. When I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna binge on Daniel and watch that and, and see it. Um, he faced the lions and, and, and God rescues him. He shuts the mouth of the lions and, and I don't know, he's like petting the lion. And then the crazy thing is, I'd like to see the, the, the king's sleepless night because he's sleepless, wondering maybe Daniel's God will save him. And then what faith he has. He goes to the edge of the lion pit like, Daniel, are you, did your God save you? I mean, that's faith. That's faith. And he's like, yep, I'm fine. You know, come on out. You know, can I bring my lions? You know, I, I, amazing, amazing. I don't control the consequences. I don't know if God will shut the mouth of the lions. I don't know if you'll keep your job. I don't know if you'll get the promotion. I don't know if you'll come out of the fire with no smell of flame on you. But I know this, if you will stand out, if you will stand up and if you will stand strong, God's smile will be on you. God smile with you. He will be smiling from heaven, and he says, that's the type of person I'm not ashamed of. I I guarantee you it won't be easy. Living through this is not going to be easy. It's going to change. Culture is changing, but I want to live countercultural, and I know you do too, and I'm praying that you have the strength to stand out. I'm especially praying for our teenagers, our young people, our college students, our our young adult. I mean, seriously, stand strong. Stand strong. I don't want to have to buy you a button. I don't have to, there's more than a button. You can do this, and we can stand up, we can stand out, we can stand strong, and we can hold on to our convictions. Lord, I don't know what chapter we're living in, but I pray right now for strength, for our church, for those that are watching this. May they stand out in Jesus' name. May their name be different. May it be child of God. May it be son and daughter of God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they would stand up. When the world says, bow to the pressure, we say, nope, we're standing up. And then when it gets even hotter with laws and rules and cancel culture again, I pray that we'd stand strong in our convictions. I pray that in Jesus' name, give us the strength to do that and not be ashamed of the one that loves us so much that you died for us. Thank you, Jesus. Give us the strength by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.